A thought hit me the other day as it is so often does while I was driving. So I was forced to pull out my phone um, and dictate a thought. Now this thought is this. Perhaps we do not have a relationship with God anymore because we ourselves no longer understand relationships. Many people, for many people, God is not real. For many people, it's not real. The Bible is not real. Jesus is not real. For many people, none of this is real. Even some of those professing to be Christians because it's trendy, because it's a fad, because mom did it, because dad did it, because somebody else did it, so they're doing it. But for them, it's not actually real. Perhaps this is why so many don't believe anymore. Why so many children are going astray. God is not real to them. Jesus is not real to them. We no longer preach a relationship with the Father, creator of the universe. We teach church. Let's show an hour-long event, not a lifestyle. And church, while very important, is not the focal point. The focal point is Jesus and a walk with him. Perhaps we are so inundated with advertisements, entertainment, and social media that this is what we think a healthy relationship is. Perhaps we do not know how to relate to the people in our lives because we, 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 we only speak through snippets. And because of that, we no longer understand God and how to relate to him. You think about it, most people believe a good relationship is a few text messages sent every week, a post or two, sprinkling some selfies, you're all caught up. That's what most people think a good, healthy relationship is anymore. TV has done some of this. When I was growing up, the Brady Bunch, major problems happened and it was cleared up five minutes later. TV teaches that in 30 minutes every problem can be solved fast between commercial breaks. Social media and TV commercials are 30 seconds. They grab the attention. They move on. This is how we speak now. We no longer have the capability to talk about one subject longer than a minute. One subject for an extended period of time doesn't happen anymore. We cannot put the phone down, let alone leave it alone for the day and just use it as a phone if it rings. We can't do that anymore. We're so in tune with everything. And we're out of tune with everything because of it. Men no longer teach their sons. Men no longer teach their sons. Women no longer teach their daughters. Every generation has got a little worse at teaching the next. Until we're at the point in this world that parents are giving the kids whatever they want to occupy them. To keep them away from the parents so the parents can spend their time on social media. Rather than to teach the kids patience and self-control and the very much needed word, no. Kids today need to hear no a lot more. Parents are giving their kids whatever they want to occupy them, to entertain them, 
to keep them busy so the parents don't have to deal with them, rather than taking them out, showing them how to use a chainsaw, showing them how to use an axe, showing them how to fish, showing them how to build a shed. They're not being taught this stuff anymore. So we're going to go to the Old Testament, and we're going to start there real quick. This is just the starting point in Joshua 4.1. And it came to pass when all the people were clean, passed over Jordan, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe, a man. And command ye them, saying, Take ye hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, and ye shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place where ye shall lodge this night. Then Joshua called the twelve men, whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe a man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan. And take ye up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder, according unto the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. That this may be a sign among you, that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them, that the waters of Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. The ark of the covenant is about to pass before them. And when it hits the banks of the Jordan, Jordan is going to dry up. These 12 men were sent to take 12 stones from where the water was just running. I want you to understand that. From the riverbed, where water was just running so bad they couldn't cross, so fierce they couldn't cross, and they're about to go across on dry land, the water separated, and they are to get a stone up on their shoulders, so a big stone, and carry it across. And those 12 stones are to be set as a memorial. It's going to take the majority of the day for Israel to pass over the Jordan River. you got a million people or so, and they got to pass over this river in this one spot where the ark has dried up. I don't know how big the spot is. So we're talking the majority of the day. And when they stop at the night, the 12 stones are to be placed there in a heap as a memorial. This memorial, they are to use to teach their children about God, what God has done for them, where God did it for them, what God did for them, and how he did it for them. They are to teach their children about God with this pile of rocks. The parents will tell them of a time that God worked a mighty work for them when the Ark of the Covenant passed before. God gave the parents an opportunity to talk to their kids, a chance to further talk about God and His greatness. Mighty works that they themselves experienced, they themselves saw, they themselves walked over on a dry riverbed that moments before major river was running through. God gave the nation a memorial, a memorial that they might testify, that they might witness of him to future generations. He made it so easy for them. Yet, 
Joshua led the nation of Israel for 26 years. He served Moses, and then he served God faithfully. Then Joshua dies, and all his generation. Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnatheris, in the Mount of Ephraim, on the north side of the hill Gash. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. And there arose another generation after them, which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. This generation of Joshua saw the crossing of the Jordan River. This generation of Joshua saw the Ark of the Covenant go, dry up the land. This generation of Joshua saw the land of Canaan given to them by God Almighty. And there arose after them a generation that knew not the Lord. 26 years after Joshua, there was a generation that died. The one that saw all that God had done. When they passed, the next generation knew of God. And after that, there was a generation that knew not God. So we went from knowing God and seeing his works to knowing of God to not knowing God at all. Three generations. Just a few years removed from the Exodus. Just a few years from the Red Sea. Just a few years from the years and years in the wilderness. And a generation arose that knew not God. Why do you think that they forgot uh, so soon when God went out of his way to set up memorials and markers along the way? Was it because the people got so busy providing, making a better life for them and their households that they forgot the one that made it all possible? God gave them everything and they forgot it. They took what God gave them and they let that become their focus, not the God that gave it to them. The children only knew of the land they had. The children of these, of this generation that's about to die. They only knew of the land they had. They only knew of the blessings they had. They didn't know the trouble and the struggles it took to claim that land. They only knew blessing, not the strife. Therefore, God wasn't real to them because they hadn't experienced him. There was no reason to. Their parents had made them a really good life. Just a few years removed from slavery, just a few years removed from captivity, and they took what the God of the universe gave them, and they promptly forgot how they got what they had. They turned God into a myth, for it was never real for them. They turned Jesus, God, into a myth because it was never real to them. They never experienced him. The generation that knew God and saw God, they failed to make it personal for their kids. And their kids forgot altogether to talk to their children. And just 60 or so years removed from the Jordan River Memorial Building, the people had forgotten not just the memorial, but the God that made them to cross over on dry land. <clears throat> Joshua's generation took the land. They won the land. They secured the land. 
And they got so busy building a household that they forgot to teach their kids about the one that gave them the land. They forgot to teach their kids about the one who provided it. If you have a child, and that child is living in your house, eating your food, sleeping in your bed, using your electric, and that child thinks it's because of them that all this material blessing exists, do you remind them that it's not because of them, but because of your grace, because of your mercy? Do you bring them up short and remind them that your work, your dollar, made all this possible? Sometimes I think God needs to do that to us. You have a responsibility to teach that child who thinks everything they get is because they deserve it. You have a responsibility to teach that child that they have not done a thing to earn what they have. They're owed nothing. It is your grace, your mercy, your blessing that allows them to live as they do. That's the truth. You have a responsibility to teach these children that this life, this world is not theirs. It is not because of who they are, what they have, but because of what he allows, because of what he gives. Deuteronomy 9.5, Moses, talking to the children of Israel, not for thy righteousness or for the uprightness of thine heart, Dost thou go to possess their land? But for the wickedness of these nations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee, that he may perform the word which the Lord swear unto thy fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Understand therefore that the Lord thy God giveth thee not this good land to possess it for thy righteousness, for thou art a stiff-necked people. Moses is reminding him, it's not because of you. It's nothing because of you. It's nothing because of what you've done. You have not earned this. You've been nothing but trouble. You're getting this because God is good. We need to remind people of that a lot more nowadays. God gave the land of Canaan to the people of Israel, not because of their goodness or righteousness, but because the people of the land were wicked and evil. God did not bless his children because they were worthy. He blessed them because of his mercy, his grace, his love, his compassion. We have taught our children, this is what we are teaching them, have taught them right now, that we are great because of our hard work, because of our spirit, because of our strength. That is not the case. We are what we are because of the God that has blessed us, because of his mercy, his grace, his righteousness. James 4.13 says everything. Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year, and buy and sell and get grain. Whereas know ye not what shall be on the morrow. Excuse me. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings, all rejoicing, all such rejoicing is evil. 
rejoicing in your boastings rejoicing in your hard work rejoicing in your prowess your talent rejoicing in anything you have done all such rejoicing is evil rejoice that your names are written in heaven that's what jesus said rejoice that god has wrote your name in the lamb's book of life that's what you need to rejoice in james the brother of jesus tells us if we live tomorrow it is because of God's goodness, not us. We have become a vain and bitter people. We no longer teach praise. It's all due to us. We no longer teach prayer by example. Go say your prayers. That's not it. Get on your knees next to them. We no longer embody the Spirit of God before our kids. Not just the love, but the discipline. Not just the love and the discipline, but the mercy the grace. Not just the love, the discipline, the mercy, and the grace. God has many attributes, but we don't exhibit those anymore. We do not exhibit the goodness of God and explain to them why these things happen the way God does to us. We don't teach them anything anymore. We stand and tell people how it is us that has made us what we are. How many times in the 60s and 70s did you hear, I'm a self-made man? No, you're not. God allowed it. And if God didn't allow it, then your wife did. You aren't a self-made man. <clears throat> we are of no moment. Do you know how many have gone before us on this ball of water that we call earth? Do you know how many in the history of the world have lived and died? In all of history, we cannot count how many have lived and died. Yet we can count how many are remembered from 400 years ago. Not too many. Not too many are remembered from 400 years ago. We don't know how many have lived and died, but we know only a few are remembered. We truly are in debt to him for all we have, all we will ever have. For God the Father is the only reason any of this happens. He allows it. He allows the good. He allows the bad. He allows the rain on the just. He allows the rain on the unjust. He is God. What he says goes. You have a nice house, he bless you. You don't have a nice house, talk to him. God allows what you have. He allows what befalls. Everything is in God's purview. We truly are in debt to him for all we have. Think about it. You have a little house. You have a house. You have a little meal. You have food. Start remembering to be grateful for what we have instead of looking around seeing what we don't have. We truly are in debt to him for all we have, all we will ever have. For God the Father is the only reason for all of this. He gave his son to die for us that we might live. All we have or ever will be is based on what we do with that decision. Do we choose God and Jesus or do we choose death? Sin. 
for the 70 or 80 years on average that we will live here on this earth. They are nothing in the grand scheme of things. For an eternity stares us in the face when we look out into the clouds. God created those clouds. God created that eternity. Time. He exists outside of time. He created time. He created the world. He created everything in the world. What are we teaching our kids? That the iPad or the car or the nice house is what we should be working for? All that's going to pass. We need to be teaching them of the God that blesses us, that loves us, that died on the cross for us, that we might have life and have it more abundantly. An abundant life does not mean rich. An abundant life means fulfilled. We should be showing them a prayer life, a walk, a talk with Him, a personal relationship with the Father. We should be making it real for them instead of running them off with our hypocrisies. We go to church, we smile and say, bless you, we go home, we're right back to the world again. That one hour, do you think that convinces them that we are godly? We live for an hour, and then for the next six and a half days, we live like everybody else? No wonder they don't think it's real. It's not real to us. And if it's not real to us, how is it going to be real to the next generation? The next generation after them? It's not. We should be showing them a prayer life. A walk and talk with Him. A personal relationship with the Father. I started this off with telling you it's not real. And it's not real for them. But it's not real for them because it's not real to us. And until it gets real to us and we stop playing games, they're not going to know. They're not going to understand. They're not going to accept it. When we go, when we pass, how long will our families know the God that we claim to serve? A day or two? What have we taught them? Have we taught them God is real, a personal relationship? Or have we taught them an hour at church, go home and go right back to living? An hour interruption, and then we go right back to the world we were living in. It's not real for them, and it's our fault that it's not real for them. We better fix it, and we better fix it fast.